0: So I guess today we'll kind of go over, I'm going to include a link that talks about like how to homeschool or beginnings to homeschool. Now the link is more of like a personal blog, but it's kind of cute and funny because she talks about, you know, where do I begin? Do I buy a goat and get a laminator? And, you know, some, it's funny because some homeschool families I know have like little mini farms. They got chickens, they got goats, they, you know, can and store their food. And then there's homeschoolers I know that, Or like, I'm just laughing because I've been watching Portlandia, but I'm thinking more like punk rock and, you know, they're playing music all day and, you know, designing computer programs. You know, it's just everybody has a different theme to their homeschool or a different type of homeschool. So I'll include that link to kind of read on. And when I do a follow-up talk on homeschool, either this week or next week, I'll include Ohio homeschooling laws because that is the state that I reside in. So we'll talk about Ohio homeschool laws. But today it's just kind of more of a history, little brief blip of it. Um, You know, it's funny because homeschooling seems so odd, but like that's what everybody's been doing up until maybe the last, what is it, like 150 years or so. Um, I was reading a book that talked about well into the 19th century and in some areas like the 20th century that, you know, the family was the basis of social life. You know, home was where kids learned what was necessary to function, you know, basic chores. Reading and writing, uh, growing and storing their own food, how to make a living, how to, you know, make their own dwellings and tools. And, you know, how for a while there, I mean, when public schools became a thing, it was always like more people that had money could do the private schools. And with immigration and industrialization came this common school movement, you know, where we wanted to put everybody was able to have an education And just to read a little bit out of this book, I'm not going to actually. It's talked about reformers such as Horace Mann in Massachusetts and Henry Bernard in Connecticut lamented that those who were most in need of education did not attend schools of any kind. They attributed the widespread poverty of the period not to the massive dislocations caused by the move from the agricultural to an industrial economy, but rather to character flaws with the poor. With strong support from manufacturers and merchants, the reformers promised new public schools to produce workers who would be, as Mann said, more orderly and respectful in their department and more ready to comply with the wholesome and necessary regulations of an establishment. I mean, I don't know, reading that, I'm just like, they're creating worker bees in public school. Follow orders, listen to authority, don't question anything, and you'll be a good worker bee. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. But, you know, again, I'm reading out of a book about homeschool, so... But you think with the industrialization of our nation and, you know, you need more workers to make people that own these businesses rich, it's kind of took away from families that were making their own money doing their own businesses, whether it was farming, whether it was like being a blacksmith. And we kind of started working for other people to make them more money. It just seems kind of weird. But again, a lot of homeschoolers I know that are adults do run their own businesses and, you know, they're not working for anybody but themselves. And there's such a satisfaction in that. I mean, I've only known, because I was public schooled, I just know to work for somebody else. You know, I got my degree and I'm working for a hospital. It makes a shit ton of money that, you know, can't provide me with PPE sometimes. Wants me to reuse it. <laughs> so sometimes I'm kind of happy that I'm homeschooling my kids to think outside the box on how to make a living. That it's not always just you go to school, you go to college, and you work for somebody else to make millions off of what little bit they're going to pay you. Um. And it talks about the model for public school systems created during the late 19th century was one that would, you know, we would easily recognize today. All students, rich or poor, could attend the same school, segregated into age-level groups to study a prescribed curriculum presented by an instructor specifically trained for the job. Implicit in the curriculum and an important part of life were moral development and good work habits through which the students would become capable workers and responsible citizens. Alternative approaches to education like Rudolf Steiner and you know the Waldorf Waldorf schools or Maria Montessori seldom made their way into public schools and we talked about those briefly last week in my podcast. So by the middle of that the century the ideas that schools were a necessary condition for getting an education was firmly embedded in American society successive waves of school reformers questioned the content of the curriculum and whether schools should be educating for good citizens or good workers or even for outstanding intellectual accomplishment new instructional techniques were explored but the premise that schools were required for children to become competent adults it wasn't really questioned there were always a few people who avoided compulsory schooling however sometimes there were rural families who lived too far from the near school to make regular attendance practical or families whose livelihood required constant travel or simply eccentrics who chose to teach their children themselves despite whatever the local law said somehow they managed to raise children who survived their lack of schooling and some such as margaret mead and thomas edison did far better than merely survive in the 50s and 60s the 1950s and 1960s a few of then a few of the then current wave of reformers began to ask different questions They question whether schools would make us less competent by training us to depend on an outside authority to tell us what and how to learn. You know, they start asking how we could realistically expect authoritarian institutions such as schools to effectively teach democratic principles. Which I always think is funny, because I do see um, um, you know, on different political sites. Send your kids to college, they're just going to learn these liberal ideas. And it's funny because, you know, here some homeschoolers think that Because some are very right, you know, right-wing. There's my R problem with my speech growing up coming to rear its ugly head. But there are some right-wing conservative people on the homeschool things that I'm part of that are like, oh, I don't like these democratic ideas they're teaching in schools. So it's just funny that, like, you know, at this time they were thinking they weren't teaching democratic principles. But anyways, um. Then they talk about Jonathan Kozel, who, I might be saying that name wrong, looked at both the structure and content of schools and argued that they effectively maintain racial and economic segregation. Then you have John Holt, who argued that children learn quite differently from the ways they are taught in school and that too much instruction actually hinders learning. Raymond Moore criticized the ever earlier ages at which children begin school, arguing that formal academic work should not start until children are at least 8 to 10 years old. Now, I will tell you that when we were watching this documentary, and I always get it wrong, it's either, I want to say it's Finland. I want to say it's Finland. It's one of those, like Finland, Sweden, whatever, but I think it's Finland. They always score higher worldwide, worldwide, with their academics. And they don't really do academics till, like, the kids get to be around seven or eight or so, like, it's, it's older, whereas we shove our kids into preschool and we gloat that they can read by, like, age four... And somewhere along the line, I will tell you with my kid, and this isn't true for every kid, so let's make that disclaimer before somebody gets on a fucking rant that my kid did perfect in school and got straight A's and it served him well. Good for you. Now my child, my 20-year-old, you know, he started out school excited and, you know, he's very much like me in the sense that he just says things and questions things and, you know, doesn't fall in line. And, uh, you know, somewhere by middle, middle of elementary, he just didn't love school. And I had pulled him out to homeschooling for a couple years. When I sent him back to junior high, his teachers all just thought he was such a joy to have in class because he would, you know, especially in reading, like he would talk about things and his reading was so surpassed because he read books in fifth grade homeschool that they were reading in seventh grade. So we were way ahead of the curve with reading. Um, That being said, I'm losing my train of thought because Max just woke up and he wants to say something or came over. What's up? What's up? While I'm recording, what's up? No, no, no. I want cereal. You want cereal? Okay, I'm nope. going to have to go get my kids cereal, so I'm going to end this podcast. And yes, that was him saying that ass because he hears it all the time on YouTube, and we keep talking no, about I him don't. not saying it. No, I don't. Where do you hear it from? Mine. Yeah, uh, probably on his Xbox Live. We could go with that, too. But to talk about the history, a little bit of homeschooling, how it was more of a thing before public schools came in into being a thing, and now everybody just doesn't question that public school is what they should do with their kids. I mean, I did it. That's what I thought. Public school, college, that's what you do. And somewhere along the way with my first born child, I saw that it just wasn't something he was into. And I pulled him out and homeschooled him, put him back in public, pulled him back out to homeschool him, and then kind of went with a more unschooling approach his final few years, where he was learning like multiple languages and doing things on his own because he was into it. And I saw this light come back into him in his teen years that oh I can learn about this you know not a prescribed formula I have to learn you know I want to travel to Japan so I want to learn how to write Japanese I want to learn how to cook Japanese food I want to learn how to speak Japanese like it just it was interesting to see versus the years that he's like I have to come home I have to do this homework it's nothing I'm interested in We all know we're gonna learn things we're interested in with much more gusto than we're going to something we hate. You put me in front of a freaking car manual and this is how you learn about an engine of a Ford Bronco, I will cry. I will cry, I won't remember shit, I will not retain it. You give me a cookbook about learning how to cook some ethnic food, I'm gonna be all over it. So it's just, this is true for adults, it's true for children. That being said, I'm gonna include the link today about how to get started. If you're interested in homeschooling. And then later in the week, I'll talk about Ohio Law specifically. Other than the, my child with the that ass comment, I hopefully this was informative. <laughs> Have a good day.